Would you pray with me? And gracious Heavenly Father, we have gathered together in your name and in obedience to your presence and to your acclaim in our lives. We do so, Lord, with a sense of desire as well. For we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we do so, Lord, as we hunger and we bring that to you. We also find comfort for you know us well. And you promise to feed us with yourself and with the abundance of your grace. So help us to appreciate you and to know you and to love you, both now and forevermore. Amen. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and join me once again as we go to prayer school together, as we have over the last two months. Now, in, in the Gospel of Luke, the disciples had actually uh, turned to Jesus and, he had a, and asked him a, a, a major question. They said, teach us to pray. And in response, Jesus gave him the most comprehensive outline of, uh, 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 that we could ever imagine in what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is found not only in Luke, but right here in Matthew chapter 6. Now, as I, I noted in the last few weeks, the prayer really consists of six prayer requests, or petitions. The first three have to do with God's glory. And each of those begin with the word thy. We have thy name, thy kingdom, and thy will at stake. And the point being that our first and our foremost prayers and concerns in prayer really should have God at the heart of our concern. Uh, About God and about his place in our life and about his place in our world Everything that is about God should become the defining focus of our life. And it's only really then after that issue is settled, God's issues are settled, that we then find ourselves in the care of a heavenly Father, and then our prayers are able to move from the word thy to the word my, or, well, better yet, the word us. And then we have the final three prayer requests, and they're very personal They are for you and for me and, I guess, for all of us. And they begin right at verse 11 with give us and then forgive us and then deliver us those final three prayer requests. Now, the implication of this is really quite profound, especially whenever we see our first item of prayer begins with give us this day our daily bread. As, we see in, as we'll see in a moment, the definition of bread really defi- uh, demands some context and really requires a bit of quality control to understand, the type of quality control that can only be explained from above. You see, for many people, this prayer may be difficult. The, the term bread comes as close to defining a basic need than any other word that we have in our language. But sometimes we are like children. We really don't trust our parents to provide us what we need, largely because we have such a difficult time sorting out the difference between what we want and what we need. You know what I'm talking about. You go shopping at Christmas time, it's not uncommon to hear a child point to something and then start up by saying, I want that, I want that, I want that. And then you hear the parent respond by saying, but you don't need that. And then suddenly the chant changes and it becomes, I need that, I need that, I need that, I need that. And, and, 
And, and this prayer may be difficult because sometimes we, we might be tempted to rewrite it and say, Lord, forget about bread. Give me daily cake. And, and even more than that, cover it with icing. I need that, I need that, I need that. And so we begin our prayer really needing to fix our attention and focus on God so that we would assume that he could assume, I'm sorry, his rightful role as parent, our father, and be the one to sort out our needs from our wants. Because after all, as a parent, not only does he know best, but he is the only one who is really capable of providing us what we really do need to live out what he wills for our life. Tie those together. Before we go any further, let's be clear. What he provides does not disappoint us. We may think, oh, bread again. It's not disappointing at all. Look, God meets our needs in marvelous sort of ways. I go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 1, in verses 29 through verse 31, and I get an idea of what sort of ingredients are in God's kitchen that go into the baking of his bread. Look, we read in Genesis 1, I have given you the seed-bearing plants throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. I have given you all the grass and the plants and the animals and the birds for their food. God looked over all he had made, and it was excellent in every way. Now, I read that, and I have to believe that God is not about to bore us to death with bread of his baking. He's far too creative for that. After all, if he really wanted to in creating us, he could have designed us so that all we would have to do is eat mud and it would be nutritious. And, and that would have been so much easier for him, you know, and so that we would live our lives mud for breakfast, mud for lunch, mud for dinner, mud for tea time. And all the days of our life would be mud. But instead, what he provides for us, all that he has made is, like it says in Genesis, excellent in every way. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And instead of saying amen, we should probably say yum. (laughs) Sounds like Red Robin, doesn't it? To fully appreciate, let's break this prayer down into its simple parts and begin with the word bread. It seems to be such a simple word. In fact, some of the early church fathers really had a very hard time accepting this simple word, and so they they had to spiritualize the word bread to mean, mean the consecrated bread that was only served at communion. The father, Jerome, called it the panem nostrum superstantium, (laughs) the superstantial bread. That is something that is much more than physical. Why? Because it just didn't seem right to turn from high thoughts about God in the first part of the prayer and then suddenly land on crass needs of mankind. To go from a a prayer that was so selfless to a prayer that could become so selfish and materialistic. And so they did this, understandably, because after praying for God's glory and kingdom and will, it seemed too earthly, too banal to switch over to something as mundane as groceries. But that we should pray for our material well-being is really what is on the table here and demands some very thoughtful application. Daily bread means exactly what it says. 
And while bread refers to the food that sustains our bodies, in the larger biblical sense, it also referred to all that we must have in order to live. I love the way Helma Tillica looked at the term bread in the Bible and came to the conclusion that it captured a whole rainbow of empowerment. Great things, small things, spiritual things, material things, inward things, and outward things, all of which are included in this prayer. He then concluded by saying this, If we pray for God's will to be done in our lives, on earth as it is in heaven, then we can also be bold to ask for what it takes to carry out His will. We can ask, give us this day our daily bread, knowing that He will give us what we need to live out His life, a life of meaning and purpose that He's created us to live. Give us this day our daily bread. It's an invitation, really, to come to God with those things that other people might consider to be unspiritual. One of the precious realities of a relationship with God is that He cares for the simple, ordinary things, day-to-day things of life. The abiding and blessed truth of this text is that God wants us to bring our everyday needs to him, even if they appear to be too trivial. He doesn't demand for us to approach him only when we have raised ourselves up to some sort of spiritual elevation above the everyday life, uh, things of life. Uh, in this prayer, he is saying that he is eager to meet us where we are, and when we do, We give him great honor. And so while we look at this prayer, we realize that while we have bread on the table and it comes from God, there's something also very unique about it. It is daily bread, the second word. Now you may be surprised to know that this word translated daily has really puzzled scholars for centuries, really. This is the only place in the entire Bible where this word is actually used. In fact, it's the only place for years that, that it was used not only inside the Bible or outside the Bible. It was only really just a few years ago that an archaeologist dug up a papyrus fragment that contained a housewife's shopping list. And next to several items, the word had finally scribbled this word. It was the only place it was ever found outside of the Bible. And the word was daily. And in the, way, in the context in which the word was written, it meant enough for the coming day. That's what it meant. And in that fresh context, translators then were able to discover that that the phrase really should be translated better this way, give us today enough bread for tomorrow, (laughs) within the context of that time frame. And when prayed in the morning, it became a prayer for the needs of the hours ahead. And when it was prayed in the evening, it was a request for the needs of the next day. And the implication is, of course, that God will, in fact, supply what we need to honor Him and to do His will. Now, this all may seem a little strange in our culture, a culture that is built upon freezers and refrigerators. (laughs) We seldom purchase food for a single day. We, we, We store up food in such abundance that we have a hard time appreciating that the meals we eat or anything else that keeps us alive really does have an extremely short shelf life. What we have comes from our pantry rather than our Father's hand, and it leaves us with the impression that we are really fairly independent in our lives. But here Jesus is teaching us that when we ask God to give us our bread, it is not weekly or monthly or in installments like that, but it is daily. 
down to the hours ahead of us. We are to ask for a day's worth of bread at a time. Now, I got a sense of this a, a number of years ago when, as a university student, I lived for a time in a little village in northern France where I was working as a missionary. Um, I was working as a missionary in Eastern Europe, and I quickly discovered that from our station in France that nobody really in that town spoke English but the other missionary. And I didn't know any French. So uh, uh, on the very first day I arrived, my host took me directly to this little bakery that was just down the block, and, and he saved my life. He pointed to a small loaf of bread in that little bakery, and he, boulangerie, and he taught me, I, I can speak French now, at least enough French to be Canadian, um, and, and then he, he took me in and he pointed to this little loaf, and he, he taught me my very first French phrase, un pain coupé, s'il vous plaît, which translated from the original means, one loaf of sliced bread, please. <laughs> Now, without that phrase, I would have starved to death. So every morning, I, I would shuffle my way over to the bakery or the boulangerie and, and, and un, un pain coupé, s'il vous plaît, and the, and the dear lady behind the counter would smile and cut it and give it to me. Only later did I really discover, months later, that that actually became my nickname on the block. I became known as Monsieur Un pain coupé. <laughs> I thought, huh. Merci. <laughs> the only thing that was missing in, in my request was, I imagine the word aujourd'hui, today. It, it was a real lesson where I couldn't go to the store and buy food that would last for a week. It was delicious bread, I, but it was also made without the sort of preservatives that I'd grown up used to. I had to seek it out each and every day. And so why, I wonder, would Jesus put the emphasis of our prayer on daily bread? Was it because in his day and age they lacked the same preservatives to, to make it last forever? No, I, I, I have to believe that he had much more profound lesson in this prayer request. One that would teach us what it is to live a life that is utterly dependent and completely reliant upon the grace of God to sustain us day after day. And that's why, just a, a, a few moments after teaching us this prayer in verse 11, Jesus then would go on to say what you heard read this morning. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or what you will wear. In light of the care he gives the birds of the air or the lilies of the field, will not your Father feed and clothe you? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Just trust him today. He'll be there tomorrow as well. That's a lesson that we need to learn each and every day. So, so we, we pray for bread, daily bread. One more lesson. Notice how Jesus adds the spirit of mutuality into this prayer. His command is to pray, give us this day. Not just give me and me alone, my daily bread Oh, this is certainly meant to be a personal prayer to take to heart that we personally would live in dependence and reliance upon God. But when we pray this prayer this way, our daily bread, we cannot help but commit ourselves to carry the daily concerns of our brothers and sisters to heart as well. 
What a thought. If I pray this prayer with sincerity, God can use it to cure me of a selfish heart. And even more, he can use it to sharpen my spirit with a sensitivity to serve others as well. Not long ago, I was in the process of of researching the monastic movement. Don't ask me why. It was for a class that I was teaching at the seminary on leadership in the New Testament and the early church. And I came across a fascinating account from the life of one monastery in particular, where all of their meals were eaten in a vow of silence, which was, in fact, a bit odd because the monks were not bound by a code of silence anywhere else in their lives, just at the dinner table, the breakfast table, the lunch table, whenever they would sit to eat. It was done in silence. I was curious as to why that would be, and I was then struck by the reason behind it. It was not for introspection or some sort of spiritual contemplation. The vow was intended to create an environment of service where they had to rely upon their mutual awareness in order to meet each other's needs. So, for example, if someone needed butter for their bread and and it was down there, they would not have to ask. In fact, they couldn't ask because of the silence. They would have to rely upon the sensitivity of the monks sitting near the butter to know their need and then pass it their way. Have, have you ever sat at, the family, at a family dinner or at a banquet and seen something delicious at the other end of the table, maybe deviled eggs, that's, I'm sorry, I, that's personal, but you see it down there and, and only find that it never gets to you, or if it does, it arrives as an empty platter and somehow you're lost in the mix. Not at this monastery where every meal became an opportunity to serve and to give. And in serving and giving, become just like Jesus, who came not to be served, but to serve and give himself. And so I suppose what is embedded in this prayer is that it's, that it's where Jesus makes it our concern, our daily bread, so that we would learn something of the same spirit that is in him, our Lord, And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. What a delight. To be able to pray this knowing that God really does care about us and cares enough about it to keep it fresh in our our lives each and every moment of each and every day, hour by hour. Let's face it, we, we do need to live with that as a constant reminder of his care. We face enough risk in our lives and in our world We daily face enough terror and challenge and uncertainty that would leave us helpless and afraid. God knows that. And he speaks to our fears. It's not not by mistake that he would later say, do not be anxious for tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So pray, I will give you daily bread. Or the translators discovered, I will give you today's bread and enough for tomorrow. And there is comfort in that thought. Very tangible comfort. I was struck by a story that was told after the Korean War. After the Korean War ended, South Korea was left with a, with a vast number of children who were orphaned by that war. The relief agencies came to the rescue, and one worker reported that 
that, 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 that there was a problem being encountered by the children. Even though they, they had three meals a day provided to them, they were restless and anxious at night and had, had difficulty sleeping. As they talked to the children, they, they discovered that they had great anxiety about whether or not they would have food the next day. So to help resolve this problem, the relief workers in one particular orphanage decided that each night when the children were put into bed, the nurses would place a single piece of bread in each child's hand. The bread was intended, not intended to be eaten, not to be intended to be eaten. It was only to be held while they, while they went to sleep. It was a security blanket, reminding them there that there would be provision for their daily needs today and tomorrow. And sure enough, the bread calmed the children's anxieties and helped them to sleep. I will not presume to know what it is that keeps you awake at night or wakes you in such a way that that you begin to shudder, the anxious fears begin to overwhelm you. But I do know this, we have a Heavenly Father who cares for us, who cares for you, and then teaches every single one of us to trust Him with a spirit of humble dependence. And He was the one who invited us to go to Him and simply ask, knowing that He will not fail to provide And so we pray. You'll find that prayer in your your sermon notes there. You'll find it on the screen behind me. And as we have over these weeks, I'm just going to ask you to, to pray together with me this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.